0: Welcome to the Raising Sons podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Rochelle Whitaker, but you can call me Dr. Shell. I'm a parenting advisor, educational psychologist, licensed maternal mental health therapist, and mom. On this podcast, we'll cover everything you need to know about Raising Sons. Now, let's get into the show. Hey, hey, hey. Before we get into today's episode, I want to invite you to the Raising Sons brunch on February 10th. 2024 at 10 a.m. in Houston, Texas. If you are in the area, come join us. Here's what one of our former or previous brunch attendees shared. The conversation was enlightening. It opened my eyes to aspects of my relationship with my son and his development that I hadn't thought about. Thank you for highlighting the importance of being intentional about one of our greatest natural resources, our boys. I'll be back again. Link to register for the brunch will be in the show notes. So look forward to seeing you there. This is the first ever live episode of the Raising Sons podcast, so I am so happy that you all are joining with me today. Um, I am the host, Dr. Michelle Whitaker, and so again, thank you for joining me. If you would keep your uh, keep everything on mute, unless you want to come off mute and ask questions, but until then, just you know, please keep keep it on mute because. I am going to use this, uh, this this live recording for as a podcast episode. I was also asked today if I was going to play the, the, the visual and that had not crossed my mind, but it may. So if you do not want to be seen, now I'm not sure how this gonna, it will work, but if you don't want to be seen, you might want to uh, turn your camera off. I'm okay with that. That is fine. So a little bit about who I am. I am again Dr. Rochelle Whitaker, I'm the host of the Raising Sons podcast. I am a speaker. I am a mom to two boys, right? I am a, a mom to two boys. I am also an educational psychologist. I am a parenting advisor and an author. So, all the things or but the thing that um oh, the most important thing is I'm a God girl. So, you will hear me uh, you may hear me reference uh, make some references to God um during this uh question and answer. So just know I'm a God girl. And so, yeah, so let's get started. But before we get started, tell me a little bit about you. Just put in the chat, if you've ever listened to the podcast, put a one in the chat. If you haven't listened to the podcast, put a two in the in the chat. And just to kind of tell you a little bit more about Raising Sons and how this came to be. So I have two boys, like I've said before, um, but I have a heart for boys and I didn't really in the last couple of years my the the heart for boys the 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 history of 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 my heart for boys was illuminated and so hence the podcast but this has been going on for a long time and um you know when you start to see how god is working and weaving patterns it's it's amazing and so that is what he's been doing and so this podcast raising sons has been in in existence since last October. So we are into the second season. And um yeah, I'm excited about all that God is doing with the podcast um through me and for boys, right? And I'm I, I have a heart for boys from birth all the way to, to grown men. My a friend of mine that I grew up with, she reminded me that I said I wanted to have a house full of boys. She said I wanted to have a basketball team. And I was like, girl, I'll never remember telling you I wanted to have that many kids. But I think it's so interesting that even back then, I wanted boys and I made it known. And I didn't even remember that. My mom even told me before I even had kids, she was like, you're going to have boys. And so how God does, he just weaves things together. So... Definitely interesting to see. Also, if you're in the Houston area, we are doing a Raising Sons brunch, um, February 10th. It'll be from 10 to 12. I will uh, make sure you get that information if you're interested in joining us and hearing all the things about Raising Sons, right? And so what I do, what I can tell you is that Raising Sons is different. Raising boys is is just a different thing. And so if you have not, if you're not aware of how boys process and do things This is, you know, definitely the place to be because I have learned and am still learning how they process and how they think. I also wanted to say that I've been dealing with boys and behavior for mm, a little bit more than 20 years in the school system, doing testing and counseling. So this is not new to me. Also, as crazy as it is, my whole uh, dissertation research is about boys. That was not planned. And so, again, yes. So welcome. I say all that to say welcome. Um, I have a few questions that were asked that I want to address first. And then if you have questions, if you want to mic, that's fine. But also, if you want to put them in the chat, that is fine too. So the first question that I received was, would what age do you think boys start acting more mature and not so childish? <laughs> that's a good question. That's a conversation that I had just I just had this weekend. And so two things, I think it really just depends on, the boy, because right, boys are not the same. Boys are not a monolith. So you all will see that. Um, a monolith meaning they're not the same. So I think when they will start act, acting immature will just depend on them specifically, but it will also depend on there's a lot of things that go on, like you know, there's puberty, there's girls, and so you know, when they start to move into puberty, some of that immature behavior that you're seeing, that the the stuff that kind of irritates you and gets on your nerves that they do, that will start to wane. Now it might turn into something else because they're in puberty. Um, and so some of those childish and immature ways, behaviors that you see will, will start to decrease. The other, another question was, I have a son that is super antisocial outside of school. Is this normal? So I, I need a little bit more information in terms of super antisocial outside of school, because if he's social at school, he could, it could just be that he doesn't have anything left at home. And so he just, you know, he's like, he's he's spent all of his energy at school being social and doing all the things that when he gets home, he just kind of wants to retreat and just kind of like, Take it easy, which is a lot of, I mean, if you think about yourself and how you operate, if you've been at work all day, you just want to take a breather, right? You just like, just give me most of the time. you like, just give me 15 minutes so I can just be quiet and just kind of think to myself. Now, as an adult, you, cause that's all you have, maybe 15 minutes. But as a child, you, you know, you may be able to go in your room and, you know you're somebody able to go in his room and just stay there until you require him to come out. So the other part of that is sometimes it's about, you know, requiring them or requesting them to come out and to socialize with the family, you know, asking them what they want to watch on TV. Maybe there's a show um that you all can choose that everybody wants to see. We have watched um as a family, oh gosh. We used to, we watched Raising Dion. But that went out, that went off. So if you haven't seen Raising Dion, I would highly encourage you to watch that with your son. It's about little boys, little black boy who has um, superpowers. It is really a really cute show. And so I highly encourage you to watch that. We also just watched, and I think that one has like three seasons. We also just watched, I don't, I cannot, the name is eluding me, but there's a show. It's about a husband and a wife and two twins, um, black family, they're out in New Orleans. So that's another show. Um, Now, the boys are in middle school. You know, I have a elementary and a middle schooler and then we could watch it. Um, And then I use that as a tool to talk about different things that I see that are happening with those boys in their life. And so if you that's something else I highly encourage. So watch a show, something that everybody will like and use what you see on the show as like some pointers, some takeaways. My boys know, that's my favorite thing. What's your takeaway? What's your takeaway? What's your takeaway? So um definitely use that as a point of discussion with your sons about different things. And you know, these shows usually have some kind of thing around them. So definitely do that. Okay. You all can start to put your questions in the chat. I got another question. How can parents promote masculinity in boys without stereotyping or pigeonholing them? So good question. So what I would say is start with the end in mind. You've heard, if you've listened to the podcast, you know, I say that all the time, start with the end in mind. So what kind of, what do you, what do you envision for your son? What kind of man do you want him to be? And so when we talk about masculinity, I mean it can kind of run the gamut and it. So it depends on how you're defining masculinity. And so what is masculine to you, right? Now, your your, your opinion and definition of that might be different from their dads or your, your husbands or whatever. So you all need to come together. I have a very, my husband is very old school. So his definition of masculine is, mm, it's probably far left. But at the same time, he doesn't. <laughs> kind of way so.
1: um, <laughs>
0: soft. You know that they can they have that they're emotional that they're they're not just one dimensional. So at the same time, he's like, you know, that whole notion about boys not crying. He's like, yeah, no, you know, I have feelings, too. But he also believes that there's a time and a place to display that. Right. So, okay, so here to go. It's to go. It's to go. If is. you don't mind, I would ask that you put yourself on mute unless until I open up the floor for questions, just so we don't have a lot of background. Okay. And another question that I got was mom, mom and son activities for tween boys. So on that one, I would say as follow, what is your son like? One of my sons likes video games. So there's an arcade. So, you know, like main event, that's a good idea. One of my sons is really into sports. So, you know, play sports with them, play basketball, get on bikes, whatever the thing is that your son likes to do, I would highly encourage you to do some of those things or center activities around the things that he likes, take him to basketball games. One of my, like I said, one of my sons is into sports, so he loves going to basketball games. And that's something that we can do together and we can, you know, share and enjoy. So whatever the thing is that your son likes to do, I would highly encourage you to select activities around that. All right, so now I'm going to open the floor for questions that you may have. I'm also going to be looking in the chat because I do know there was some questions in the chat. Now bear with me because I'm trying to open the chat and okay. So one question was how to encourage problem solving skills using communication rather than FIST. That is a that is a good question. I would say independence, right? So I teach my sons, if somebody hits you, you hit them back, right? That might not be a because what I what I want them to know is what I want them to understand is that it's important to defend yourself, right? Don't start anything and sometimes so I just believe that because you don't want people to take advantage of them and so sometimes you just have to stand up to people, right? And so that might require somebody hit you, you hit them back, right? Because, you know, otherwise that turns it can turn into a bullying situation and that's not that's what we don't want. Now, if it's a different situation, talking to your sons, Talking through things. I have one son that's a little bit more hot headed and one that's a little bit more of a strategist, right? So he's thinking about, okay, if I do this, this is what will happen. Now, my hot head is like, I'm going to think about that later. And so talking to them about choices and consequences and what does that look like if, you know, giving them scenarios. So if I do this, what then will happen? And starting that early, starting those conversations early, we started talking to, I started talking to my boys about defending yourself. If somebody hits you, hitting the back early. So I have a nine-year-old and a 12-year-old. So I started talking to them. I started talking to my my nine-year-old probably got a little bit, he probably got a little early because I was talking to my 12-year-old, but probably about first, about six. About first grade, we started talking about those things because those things were coming up. So I would say start talking about those things early and also talking to them about how to problem solve through problems. You know, when you're having conflict with with other kids, how can you resolve that without using your fist? So a lot of it is us communicating with them and finding out what's going on. That's another reason why I like those shows, because some of those things come up and it's a good way for us to talk about it. I
2: see a hand. Yes, ma'am. My question, I actually have a few questions, but I'll start with the first one. My first question is around, I have three sons, 16, 13, and five. And one thing that I'm often, and then they, they're also in two separate households. So they, they're they with us and then they're, the two oldest are with us and then they're not. And so one thing that I am always promoting is just sibling relationship, especially with the five-year-old. Like he wants to always spend time with his brothers, but his brothers obviously don't always want to spend time with him. and so. Oftentimes, I feel like when I say, Oh, it's Jackson time, that means it's time for you guys to put away all your electronics, whatever, spend time with your brother for like the next hour. And then that hour goes and Jackson's like, I still want more Jackson time. <laughs> and then, you know, but I think my, my goal is always to like get to a place where they want to spend time with him and where they find just value in them spending time together. But I don't see that organically happening. It's more so of me kind of like saying, This is like now time for you guys to spend with him. And so, And inside, it makes me a little sad inside. It also makes me a little frustrated when I have to like, you know, promote that with them, understanding, like, obviously, they're teens, they have different things that interest them that type of thing. But I'm thinking long term and where I want, you know, them to have a relationship with their brother, I've seen age gaps. And I don't want that to be a thing where, you know, I want that relationship for them. I you know, if he can't call us when he's like, he should be able to call his brothers. They're like, you know, that type of thing. So I'm just wondering if you have any strategies or things that. I should keep top of mind for continuing to foster that relationship with them and to, to make sure that they understand the importance of that as, as just being a brother you. So I
0: would say, you know, creating activities that you all do as a family, I think that's one way because it cements the relationship between them without, you know, so like you all do things. So there's, a, there's a big age gap of finding a place where you they can go that they enjoy the same thing. So I would imagine Jackson at five wants to do everything they want to do. So so your 60 year old might not want to like a trampoline park Maybe, 16, maybe. But like taking them to a trampoline park where they can all kind of be together. Like you and you, you're like, I'm not getting on the trampoline. I'm gonna let you all do that. Um, Your brother wants to, you know, wants to play with you guys. So just kind of fostering those kind of things. Also like activities like travel. So when you all are in the car, traveling to different places, making it a family thing, I think those things are help you to kind of help your, help siblings to kind of cement relationships, even if there's an age gap. But I also think as they get older, that those relationships will foster on their own. So now I'm a girl, but I have an eight year, uh, there's an eight year gap between myself and my sister. And our relationship was, it was, yeah, it wasn't that great um, until I was like around 12. Now she was 20, but my niece came. And so the older we've gotten, the better our relationship is, has gotten because we have more things in common. We can talk about different things. And so I think it all happened organically, but laying that foundation of just of them just being together and spending time together is a good way to to foster it. And so even having them spend an hour together, I don't see anything necessarily wrong with that. Um, But then you might have to tell Jackson, like, hey, your hour's up. Come on, let's do something else. You know, your brothers want to do something else. Now, if he can just hang in the room and they're cool, then I I don't see anything wrong with that. But, you know, I know how little brothers can be. So I would say, you know, start there. But I think you're off already to a good start. All right. So there are lots. There's some questions in the chat. So one is if you are a single parent mother, when do you give them the facts of the birds and the bees? Should I let a man do it? I would say start early. Right. Because if your kids are watching, if your kids are if your kids are going to school, um, if your kids are on devices, if your kids are playing video games, you know, our Uh, society is sexualized. And so I would say start talking to them in a basic way, like about their body parts, like naming their body parts. Don't give it another name, call it what it is for two reasons. One, you want them to be able to properly address. But also if somebody is doing something to them, you need to know what they're doing to what are they doing it to. So giving them the proper, you know, starting there. So, you know, you can start talking to them about body parts at four or five. I started talking to my boys about, okay, this is what this is called. This is what this is called. Nobody should touch you here. Nobody should do this. Where are the parts that they're not supposed to touch you? So we started talking about that at four or five. Now about, mm, I would say probably around 10, we started talking about, we had a conversation about the birds and the bees. Now, I did not have that conversation. I will be honest. My husband had that conversation. And what ended up happening was my son started going to youth church. And so they were talking about consent. So that the conversation that he had had with my husband, I added on to it because then we had to talk about consent. So I don't necessarily know that it has to come from a man. Now, your son might be a little squeamish. He probably gonna be squeamish anyway, but you can, you know, I would say kind of garner from him what his preference is and, you know, but you may have to add to it too. So it's not really a either, or I think it's, requires both of you all. It just depends on who's going to start the conversation. I think that's where you go. That's how you kind of navigate that situation. But I would say start early on helping them to understand what body parts are, just some foundational things about their body and what it does. And yeah. So I do want to put this in here. Boys young, because they're boys. And it's not sexual. It's just, it's how their bodies are wired. It will look like something that you think is happening. (laughs) And it's, it's not, I'm trying to keep this clean, but so they, let me just say, they will, they will have, uh, they will wake up and they will be hard. It, and it may not just be when they wake up, it could be at any, it could be at different points, but it's not, that's how their body is working. So don't get all in your feelings about that. And Make it a big deal because then they won't then they're going to feel some kind of way about it. So just FYI. Okay. so since my son's father is not around, what would you suggest I do to have more positive male involvement? That's a good question. And I've gotten this question a lot. I would say find a mentorship program. So if you know anything about fraternities in your area, a lot of them have mentorship programs. So I highly encourage you to get connected with them. An uncle, a cousin, the Boys and Girls Club have a mentorship program, but somebody, another man, you know that can kind of stand in and fill in the gaps. I have a a colleague of mine and he was raised by a single parent and he said his mom didn't trust anybody with him. So he didn't get that male connection. And so he said he had to figure out a lot of things for himself until he got to college and then he pledged and he said he did that so that he could get that male, some of what he didn't get um, and some of the things that he plugged in for himself. So he was like, by all means, boys need men to talk to about different things. And even my son, we were having a conversation in the car and we were talking about, we, just, we were just talking and he was like, no, I, granted, I did get in my feelings, but I did not tell him this. I didn't tell him this at the time. He said, yeah, I'm, you know, he was talking about puberty and he's like, you know, those are questions I need to ask, need to ask dad. So I'm in the front and I'm thinking- why you can't ask me? I'm your mom. We talk about everything. But he was like, I would ask questions to you more about dating, you know. And so I had to really think about that. And I said, I know about puberty from a head from a head space, but my husband knows about puberty from a physical space and he needs that more than he probably needs me to the scientific or the academic explanation that I'm going to give. So it's really important that boys have somebody that they can talk to. So that's a good question. Okay. So I'm going to go back. Does anybody, oh, we have a hand raised. Okay. LaQuisha,
3: what is your question? I have two boys. So I have a one-year-old and a six-year-old and my six-year-old is in a place where he is starting to make connections of like what we do and what he's not allowed to do. And so he's starting to ask us questions like, well, why can you do it and I can't. So for example, staying up late. Like, why do I have to go to bed and you, you guys are going to stay up late. <laughs> and so uh, my question is, how do you have because I don't feel comfortable with the conversation of we're not you're we're an adult, you are a kid. You know, I feel like it places them down here and we're up here. And so My question is, how do you keep the boundary without having a conversation that makes your child feel like they're low and we're above? You know what I am I hope that makes sense.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you can talk about it in terms of roles. So we are adults and adults do this and you're um, a child and children do this. And so, I mean, if you really want to go into a deep explanation about it, you start talking to him about growing like and because you're still growing, you need X amount of hours of sleep. And so you can also do it from that perspective. You don't want to just say, "Well, I'm the adult and you're the child, and that's how it's supposed to be." So if you want to go into make it, you know, something that he can understand, your body needs, you know, ten to twelve hours of sleep because you're growing because you're, you know, your your body's growing, your mind, your brain is growing, and so you need that amount of sleep. So that's why you can't go to sleep when we go to sleep because you won't get enough sleep, and then that'll stunt your growth. Well, that might be a stretch, but it may, uh, now it may slow it down because I do believe now this is not scientific. There's a correlation with um, how much, you know, kids eat and how, you know, kind of fast they grow. Now my, there is, and so like I said, that's not, that's anecdotal. That is not scientific, but I do see that. I see that with my sons, like my older son, you know, he can go all day without eating. My younger son just kind of snacks all throughout the day and his, growth is astronomical. Like his shoe size, he's in a man's shoe size and he's nine. Whereas my older son is not. And so there is some kind of connection between eating, you know, what they eat, how much they eat, and I think how fast they grow. Um, And that's true too, because when you see them having growth spurts, right, they'll sleep more and they'll eat more. So I hope that helped. (laughs) Okay, let me go to the chat. So my teenage grandsons are 13 months apart and are so different. I don't feel like the son and daughter-in-law compare them, but it seems like they live in each other's shadow. How can they encourage their individual personalities? I think that is a a really good question and something that I always have to remind. Now, my sons are three years apart, but and they are vast. They are polar opposites. But that is something like talking to their grandparents, I have to say like they're different people, right? And so having, you know, reminding them that they're different, they're not the same. And just because they are the same gender does not mean that they're the same. What I also find is that a lot of times people lump boys into one category. So all boys are the same and they're not, they're vastly different. And so I think sometimes people get stuck in that mind frame. So when you have a, maybe one of your sons is different or he does something different, it's outside of that. That box. And so it's like, well, why is he doing this? And the other one doesn't do that. And whatever this one is doing is more what that box is of what masculine or boys do. And so I think that's a good conversation to to ask or to have with your with your children, your grown adult children, about, you know, what are their views and takes about around boys and how similar and dissimilar they are. And, you know, are they looking for them to be more in a certain box? And so just highly encouraging them to see them for who they are, like, you know, the kinds of things that they're bent towards. One of the things that I have on um, deck to do is to create a journal for parents to start taking um, notes of their sons, of what they're doing starting early, because I believe that God has placed in us purpose and it's, it's there from the beginning. He's, you know, he knits us together in our mother's womb. So you will start to see some of those things early. If you go into a pre-K classroom, you'll see what those kids are bent towards even then. And so it's a matter of using that journal to write down those things. And then as time progresses, because they'll, they'll start to do, those things will morph into other things, align with those things, but just keeping a record of it. So then you can give it to your son. So he has, Oh, you know what? I see this purpose that was, I was doing that thing. this makes sense. And so, you know, that may help him to formulate a career choice or, um, other things in his life. So, Oh my goodness. Okay.
2: I have a question around, cause I saw a comment about sexuality in the um, chat. And so my question um, around that is, obviously I have my own my own preferred sexuality. you know I'm, I I'm married to my husband. But one thing I've, I especially with raising three boys and also having close friends that have different sexual preferences and seeing what they have had to overcome and growing up, one thing I've always wanted to or one thing I'm, I've come I'm coming into is that I want my kids to feel comfortable being whoever they are and knowing that they can talk to us about what that looks like. I don't want my children to feel like they have to go outside the home to have a conversation about being accepted or, you know, what, you know, and 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 so that in some regard has has changed my outlook and viewpoint on things and has caused me to evolve and to grow. And so, but, you know, in, in, in that same vein, I think you also, like I also have different family members that may have different beliefs or may have different choices of words. And so I'm, all, I'm always trying to, to, to figure out how to discuss that with them and to make them, to make sure that my kids understand that in this home, whoever you choose to be is okay. And we'll weather that and we'll, and we'll figure out how do we operate as a family together, no matter what that looks like. And then also making sure that I'm setting that standard for my home, for people that choose to come into my home. But also that can be a learning curve for them. So like, I guess any suggestions or feedback or tactics that you have. And then I guess on the on the flip side of that, because of where we are in just this world today, I feel like sexuality is so... Like I think one of my 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 nephews was like I'm this, and I know he, I and I hundred percent knew like he didn't even know what this was, but he was just saying it because it's a it's the popular thing to say right now, and so he's not even discovered who is what his identity is. He doesn't even understand what it means. He's just saying what the popular thing is so that he can be open to all things. And so that's the other thing. I'm like, well. I don't want to discount that, but I'm also like, you know, like what education, what does that even look like for them at this point in time? What should I be doing? I don't want to cut them off. I don't want, you know, so it's, it's just a lot to kind of work through, especially. And I, and I say that because, again, one of my sister's close friends, like to this day, he still is and he's what almost in his 40s. And he still is not comfortable in his own skin be, being who, who he is. And I just I do not want that for my kids. I want them to know. Like at home, if nowhere else, this is a place where you can be who you are. You know, so and with that, like what, what anything that you have to offer. So I would say too, again, um, one of the good. So
0: <laughs> this happens with girls, but boys especially. Like if you try to have a conversation with them about something, just kind of willy nilly or ask a question, they're they're not gonna, they're not, they're not. N- let me not say that about all boys, but a lot of them are gonna be like, "What, mm-hmm. mama?" You know, that's kind of how they are. So you have to use something to garner those conversations around. And that's why I like watching shows because these different things come up. And so it's an easy way to segment and you can hear what they're saying. You can hear the thoughts that they're thinking about the different things. And so it's like, once they start talking about it, or once it starts, you know, they show it on the show, then you start. So what do you think about this? You know, what are your thoughts or what do you believe? And so it's not you just kind of coming over the conversation to have so they can, they're like, oh, she just trying to pick our brain. or she asking all the questions? So my son says, oh, you got another question. Like, oh my gosh. So I'm like, okay. So I use our TV shows and now they already know, like, I'm going to say, well, what's your takeaway? Or, you know, what are your thoughts? Or I heard you say, what does that mean? And I will put the TV on, I will put the show on pause to, to talk And they're fine with it because, you know, we're already in that setting. They already know what's going to come. And so it's not like it's a it's a huge deal. Um, And so I would say using those kind of things, even games. So y'all are playing games. for what I've seen is it's easier for kids to open up when they're doing something. And so using that as a tool to be able to garner different conversations, even things that they like to do. So, you know, if one of your sons like to ride bikes, y'all go ride bikes and y'all just, you know, Have casual conversation about, you know, what's happening at school and let that segue. We have car conversations all the time. And my son told me, now my son is, my younger son is in the fourth grade. And he said, one of his classmates told him, I think last year that he was bisexual. What? How does he, I said, well, okay, let's talk about that. What does that even mean? How does he even know, right? And so I think he's just kind of picking up on things, but it was an opportunity for us to have a conversation. And sometimes your kids will just out things. So my sons will just start, like, they'll just, you know, say something that they heard or something that their friend said. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about that. Now I'm not saying let's talk about that, but I'm like, okay, tell me more. Uh, wh- do you know what that means? Because my son said the other the other day in the car and the other morning, he was like, yeah, uh, such and such called such and such a lesbian. Hmm? Okay. Do you know what a lesbian is? And at first he was like, No. And then he was like, well, yeah, this is. And so I said, well, tell me what it is. And so, I, you know, using those kinds of opportunities to garner conversations. And so they also know that they can come to you with anything, but also engaging them in activities, engaging with them in things that they like. And so I I can't say that enough. Even when I was doing therapy with like kids, kids. I could get the most from them when we were actively engaged in something they wanted to do. So like a game, you know, we're, you know, playing outside, whatever the thing was, they were more open when we were active, you know, other than, you know, if I'm sitting, we're in a therapy room and we're just sitting talking, that didn't garner a lot, but most of the time, but if they were actively engaged in something, then it's just coming. So I would say use, you know, use those tools as well. Okay. So I'm gonna open the floor up if anybody wants to unmic themselves and ask a question.
3: I have another question. So just kind of piggybacking off of what you guys were just talking about. Do you think that it's more healthy to actually try to engage in those conversations versus avoiding? Cause there's certain things that like my husband and I. We try to like stay away from and avoid because it's like he's five. And it's like I have to try to translate this from an adult understanding. I mean, he's six. I have to translate this from adult understanding to a six year old understanding. And so sometimes it's complicated and it's like, oh, Lord, Jesus. And I just want to avoid it. But do you feel that that's the unhealthy way? And should we be having these conversations at such a young age?
0: I think if they're bringing it up then yeah, it's unhealthy to then avoid it because then they're formulating their own definitions in their mind. There have been lots of conversations that I've had. Like when I had to have that conversation with my son about consent, I was like, oh my gosh, are are we here yet? I mean, are we here already? Like, is this time? But the fact that he had already... I mean, it, he had already been exposed to it. So if I just would have avoided it, then he's, whatever was circulating in his mind about it, he was just gonna run with it. I'm like, nope, let's talk about it. That's also another way to like foster relationships, like foster open communication. Um, You can come to me with anything. And I tell my sons that all the time. If I discipline them, I say, you know, I still love you, right? And they say, yes. And I'm like, you know, you can come to me about anything. And I say that all the time, like just out the blue. You know, we can, you know, we can talk about anything. And also in doing that, you have to garner how you respond, right? So you can't have this face on, you can't, because they're reading you. So if you like, they like, okay, well, let's talk about sexuality. And you like, oh, that that they're not, that's it. They're not coming back to you trying to have a conversation with you. So I think it's important that you kind of watch your response to them from a visual perspective because they're looking at you to see how you respond, not only in verbiage, but also in facial expression.
1: You can see me, um, Rochelle. I can. Can Okay. Look, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a different perspective from me. You know what I'm saying? Because I come, like, you know what I'm saying? With the, with the, with like, it's a different setting because like, all right, let's say I right, you stay in a gated community, you know what I'm saying, like that's protected, you know what I'm saying, but then you got an outside look that, you know, that's around you, you know what I'm saying, that's dealing with you, you know what I'm saying, like you protect it, you know what I'm saying, like certain stuff you protect it, so I just come out with it, you know, like I don't try to hide it or nothing like that. Like they see me, you know, and I tell them, if they ask me, I explain to the best of my ability, you understand what i'm saying like i don't try to hide or nothing like when they see something like let's say my kids got an uncle that's a drag queen you know what i'm saying that they see one time he a man and then the next minute he a woman you know what i'm saying so it's a difference you know what i'm saying but dude making money you see what i'm saying but dude making money you see what I'm saying? So it's the evil, and then it's the God, and then it's a different way. You know, it's it's a whole lot of different perspectives, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? To look at stuff, and then when you say when you looking on a video on a TV, you can make what happened, what happened. But when you talking about real life, stuff just happened out the blue. hmm
0: Yeah, I think you make a good point. And so, so one you addressing it head on at the time that it's happening or, you know, when it comes up, I think that's why I said, you know, you can't avoid it. Avoid it would be more unhealthy. So what you want to do is address it right then. The, now the caveat for you is when you talked about the uncle being a drag queen and you tied it to money because then it becomes, oh, so if I do this, I can make money. So then you have to start, then you have to, put into conversations what your values are, right? And so it's not just about making money. It's about this, you know, whatever your value set is. I think that's important too, because, you know, that's just, that's the same thing as like kids that are in, in it, all kinds of different value, areas.
1: Value is more than money, but when you hungry and starving, you are willing to do anything.
0: Well, that's why you talk to your kids about not how, how to, to the best of their ability, avoid being hungry and starving. Right. So, for instance, we did a activity with our boys. We did like a tour. Right. And so it was we were down downtown Houston. And so there were homeless people. So I used that as a, a teachable moment because they were asking questions. And I was like, you know, now we all know that there are circumstances that can happen um where you can become homeless but that are out of your control but i also explained to them that this is why you you know you you go to school i'm starting on their level this is why you go to school this is why you pay attention this is why you listen this is why you you know decide what you want to do and you you get a good job and you manage your money and so using all of those things as teachable moments, right? Because like you said, things can happen and they can happen outside of our control. And like you said, if you're hungry, but then you have to counteract because everybody ain't starving, right? And so there's, there are reasons no. why people got to that place. And so you kind of have to start peeling back the layers on that too.
1: You do have choices that you make, and You know what I'm saying? They do evolve you and, and, and surround you when you're young. But when you're young, you don't understand that you're making this decision and it's going to affect you later on to this right here perception. You see what I'm saying? Like, my kid, he ain't doing no work. He ain't doing no work in class. Like, he don't even pay attention to them. Like, that ain't even his thing. You know what I'm saying? He, like, he can sing a song, but he's saying, they telling me that he can't read or he can't do no math. But he know every song that come on the radio, it ain't that he can't do it. Its just that his ability or his lack or his attention or his, his his purpose you know what he what he's interested in and what he's doing is not gonna help him later on so he's not even perceiving it or accepting it and he don't understand that he' gonna be so far behind that he thinks he up on the time that he' gonna be so far behind that he ain't be able to make no money or nothing like he can't read anything do no math or nothing. And they tell me they putting them in his class and they telling me, now, you know, my mama, you know, all y'all stay on me. You know what I'm saying? Them boys, you know what I'm saying? Y'all stay on me. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm constantly thinking, I'm constantly crying over here. Like, man, how can I say these boys? You know what I'm saying?
0: So one of the things that I would say is finding out what he's interested in, what is he interested in? Finding out what he's interested in and tying that to math and reading. Right. So like, for instance, if he's interested in, I don't know, making money well to make money, you got to be able to add and count. Right. Like just make it simple. Like take the simplest part of it. This is why you need to learn how to read. How are you going to make money? If he want to be a YouTuber, you still have to know how to read to do that. Right. Because the back end of YouTubing is contracts. Right. So make it connect what he wants to do, what he likes to do with reading and math and why he needs to do how that can help now, because. He's not the only boy. So that happens to boys all the time. There's a disconnect between how we teach in schools and our boys are like, well, how does this help me get to such and such? Because we don't make the connections. We like you just get in classroom, you sit down, you be quiet. There's not a lot of hands on learning. And so, you know, a lot of our boys are hands on learners and that's how they learn best. That's not how our, our school system is structured. So we have to do things at home to help them understand, okay, these, these things make these connections. Whitney, you said you had a
2: question? Yes, I actually was speaking to like an older parent and she was telling me that, and, and I, it was just a different way and I think I hadn't thought about it because I was thinking about motivation because I would say that my 16 year old is like lazy and she was like, well, it may not be that it's lazy, but you've not figured out like what motivates him." And so I thought about that because she was like, and if once you figure out what motivates him, then like, she was like, she was like, that's what she used to incentivize whatever she needed the, the child to do. And so it kind of, I don't know, I had to like sit with that for a little while because I was thinking like, oh, well, I've always like, just me personally, I've not needed, I don't know, maybe my mom did have things that she used to motivate me. But personally, I felt like I might, she had done a, a, a good job in like teaching me to be motivated by like self you know, self drivers, different types of self drivers. So I didn't need like an external, you know, incentive to push me to do something. But again, it was just a different way of thinking. So I had to sit with it and say, okay, if I need him to work toward this goal, or if I need him to understand that this is important, am I okay with giving him a dollar or whatever, every time he does X, Y, and Z, or saying you're going to get, you know, this as a result of this. And then even thinking about that, I was thinking, okay, then like, what am I setting up for him if he thinks that every time he does this and he gets this? So like, I've just been like, and I've not kind of come to like a outcome with like how I want to move forward with that. But that's just been something that I'm thinking about, like, as I'm trying to figure out how to make sure that we're helping him to understand like what type of, like when they like, what type of man do you want to be? Like, we don't, we're seeing a lazy trait. We're trying to figure out how do we get him to move out of that lazy trait. And then like, and you know, and then we don't want to incentivize, but we want to incentivize. So I just, you know, like I'm trying to figure out then like, what is the right path to go down? Like, how do we, you know, push him to, down the path that, you know, we feel like is most beneficial for him while also getting him to self, you know, to be to, to for some self, you know, awareness of those things too, so that he's pushing himself. So, you, so
0: one thing I would say, motivation is key, right? So when you find out what motivates your son. I have one son that is intrinsically motivated and I have another son that is motivated by fun, right? And that scares me, right? <laughs> because that can come with a whole lot of other things, but knowing is half the battle. So you know what motivates him. And so instead of paying him or incentivizing him with money for doing that thing, it's if you do it without me having to tell you. So it's not, I'm not giving you this because- like you clean the bathroom. I'm giving this, I'm giving you this because you self-initiated to clean the bathroom without me telling you. So that's a different, that's a different way. And it gives them ownership and responsibility over that thing. So, okay. So now I know if I do this on my own, if you do something long enough and you see the, the benefit of it and it becomes a habit. So You know, I would say start there, whatever, you know, start with one thing that you want him that, you know, motivates him or that you want him to do and then incentivize that thing. But not because he's doing it, but because he's doing it of his own accord. All right. Any other
2: questions? I probably have all the questions. I have one more one of my sons the, the one of my sons <laughs> is ADHD. he has ADhD and it's um ADhD where and I've, i'm now learning about just different types so this one is where it's he's impulsive but there's also and I'm not sure what the, the right terminology is but it's where he also fixates on something and then it's like he can't let it go so the way that that's playing out in school right now is where um say a kid is like has has said something about him then he's gonna keep that thing in his mind for like the next month, and if that kid says something that like he doesn't like, then that then with the impulsivity, he's now going upside their head, like unprovoked. So like we've been kind of dealing with trying to, and it's and there's also been a back and forth because he's in two households around whether or not you know, when he's getting his medication, if he's getting, not getting it, that type of thing. And so, and and even him, he's like, I don't want to take medication. I don't want to be on medication to help self-regulate who I am and what I am and what that means and all this type of things. And then I think there's a stigma that he now is perceiving with, with having ADHD. Even when I tell him like, hey, I have ADHD. I'm successful in doing X, Y, and Z. I take my medicine every day, blah, 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 blah. You know, so like even with trying to give him like examples of where people have been 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 able to do with you know with and without, it's still been like challenging to help him understand what it means for him, how to self advocate, how to participate with it, even how to move in between two different homes with you know some of um some in some of the challenges that exist. And so I know that you work in that realm of dealing with um advising parents on children with different disabilities and and helping children to to understand that and, and then how to move through the world with it anything that you would I guess provide right now in this space that we're dealing with with my son where that that impulsivity is like a big thing and it's also downturn creating like an issue with his teachers to where they are getting a perception of him that you know we don't want like to carry like in the next grade and thereafter. at so you know a lot of times when we have kids who have like for instance ADHD um I
0: think about this this Um, student I worked with, he was in middle school a long time ago and he had impulse control. And so we, uh, you know, worked through this technique. Um, And so it's really helping him to deal with the impulsivity to manage that. So helping him to, to, to stop and to think in the like in the moment, so that whatever decision comes after that is something that's thought about and not just you know just randomly done. And so I think that's important to help him. You know, I don't know if you all have him with uh, not necessarily a therapist, a therapist that's well, trained. He, is a, he is a therapist, yeah. He's um, a therapist okay. that he meets with weekly, yeah. Okay. You know, maybe talking to the therapist about different tools that he can use to to counter that impulsivity. And then normalizing for him, ADHD is kind of what you did when you said, you know, I have ADHD, but not just from your perspective, maybe finding somebody in the community, um, like another man, somebody that he looks up to, somebody who's doing what he wants to do, Mm -hmm. using them as a a reference to then say, this is, you know, this is the, the path that I walked and this is what this looks like. Because I think a lot of times when... Sometimes kids need kids. I mean, need people outside of us. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes parents take offense to that, but sometimes they need other people because they're like, oh, you know, you mama or oh, you daddy. And I hear you, but I don't. And they need somebody else. And maybe that person is like not 30, (laughs) maybe they're 20 or maybe they're in high school and they're just just far enough above them to say, you know, I've been where you've been. I understand. And this is what I did. So I would say you know looking at it using those two techniques to maybe help him garner that because boys in puberty and then you all have that whole third factor when you have a uh, two separate households and so it's really y'all coming together and getting on the same page but including him when y'all have to get on the same page and then including him in the discussions with you all about you know what does he think okay so if we take you off of medication how are you going to do x y and z how are you going to manage because this is what we're seeing now and so I think those are some starting points. All right, RC, you have a you had something you wanted to
4: say? I do. Good afternoon everybody. Um so my son is older now. He's 18, off to college. Yet yeah, we're still raising still still raising our kids, you know, up until and one of my issues is that like our latest concern has been around him not being very respectful in the home or like being conscientious up to my standards. So for instance, he's at the age where he has his freedom now and he really isn't trying to listen to mom anymore. Mom's just nagging. So when he comes home, he wants to throw stuff anywhere, drop stuff on the floor, leave it, not pick things up, you know, that kind of thing. Those seem like mundane things. However, I broke my foot because of that, like recently. Like him leaving stuff where I asked him not to, broke my foot, and him not even caring about it. Just kind of like, oh, well, it's not my fault you broke your foot. So for me at this point, it's more about communicating with him about how it makes me feel because he's older now. He's 18. He can understand how you hurt mom when you do or don't do these things. So for me, I'm at a point of saying to him, It really hurts my feelings when you don't take the time to pay attention to the things that you do. It really it really um, leaves me frustrated when you're looking for something and you throw my things all over the house and you don't put them back. And so my thought was that because he's a feeler more than I am, like I don't feel first. I think facts first that I would kind of meet him where he is and that that would motivate him to shift. Nope, that did not work. It has not worked for months. And it's leaving me very frustrated. So what I said to him was that it might be best if you don't stay with me over the summer. That maybe you stay with your grandparents or your uncle, somebody else where you have the freedom. And the way I told him is that because what happens is when I'm telling him what it seems like nagging him, he actually hears it as my mom doesn't love me. My mom is doesn't want me in this space. And that my mom doesn't see how hard I'm trying to do the right things. Now he has ADD. So I know that takes, that plays a big role, but he doesn't believe he has ADD or believes he outgrew it. So he refuses to take his medication. He's not using any skills that he's learned over the years from the therapist, none of that. So I'm sure that that's part of him not being able to focus as well. And so I am curious to see how he will function being in somebody else's space. For instance, in his grandparents space, I'm wondering if he'll be more conscientious because they're older and he wouldn't want them to trip. Mom is no big deal, but I'm curious to see if then when he comes back to stay with me after Christmas break, if he will have a shift in behavior. So.
0: But you just said that he said your nagging, makes him think that you don't love him and that you don't want him around. And then you sending him to stay with his, his grandparents for the summer is reinforcing that thought.
4: Well, that's why we talked about it. And I shared with him that he could tell me different options that would help. We've done this for like six months. He could tell me different options on what would help What would allow me to help him be more conscientious and allow me to live in a space where I'm safe. He used to leave my back door open, dropping glass on the floor that I'm stepping on where it leaves me safe and at peace in my home because we both need to be at peace and safe in this home. And so if I can't be, it's a problem. And if you can't be because I'm constantly nagging you, then that's hurting both of our mental health and I can't have it. And he that messes with his self-esteem when I'm constantly nagging him and telling him, hey. Watch what you do. Now he's feeling like, oh my gosh, my mom doesn't see the great things that I'm doing. So you can't, you can't get it all. So he, he did get to talk to me. He gave, he got to give me solutions, and his solution was I would try harder. And over six months, there has been no improvement. So,
0: so because he just, came, so you said over six months, but he just came back from the, from the Christmas. I mean, from the break. Right? Is he still uh-huh. with?
4: yeah we've been dealing with this though over the summer, and we've been dealing with it for years while he was you know in high school. but you know it was his first time being away for a stint at the beginning of the year, and then he came back for Thanksgiving and then for Christmas. But yeah, we've been dealing with this for a long time, and now that he has another place he can go and be like a young man in his grandparents' home or his uncle's house. he just has other options, okay, because I gave him those options before.
0: I also wonder too how much his ADD is playing into him, his inability to kind of focus, you know, like, yeah, you know, right. so I think that's a, right. that's probably like a huge thing, you know, not like in the door. It's that whole like follow through, you know, that right. being distracted. Um, but you can't, I mean, he's grown, so you can't make him do right. anything. So, I mean, I think you asking him, communicating with him at this point and then giving him options. And you all come to some resolution because did you all agree for the summer that that's where he'll go? Well, he said he would talk to his uncle. And so he's going to
4: work through the options that we discussed one by one and see which one best suited him. And so he's supposed to come back to me for spring break and let me know what option he wanted to pursue that he thought was most most feasible.
0: So I'd be interested to hear what he has to say. I mean, what option he decides to come back with. I, I would be interested to hear what he says. Okay, guys, I want to be respectful of your time. It is, it's now one o'clock. I want to thank you guys for our first ever live Raising Sons podcast episode. And so I got time for maybe like one more question and then we'll wrap it up.
1: I want to say something so bad.
2: I have to drop. Thank you. This is great. Thank you.
1: Yeah, she was saying that her son, you know what I'm saying? Like he don't respect uh, her. Maybe he needed like I I would, I'm not a doctor or nothing, but I was saying like stay with a female or or a friend guy. You know what I'm saying to see the the respect or the different you know the different thing. If he been so concealed or so confined with with just staying with her, he having experience with somebody else. You know what I'm saying. So the with with her feelings, you know, say she say it hurt her feelings. You know, I wish she wouldn't be so sensitive, but you know what I'm saying, like. Dudes, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know, I love my cousin. You know, I love family to death. You know what I'm saying? But I'm, I'm being honest, you know. I think, yeah.
0: I think that's a good perspective to have. Maybe you guys need to talk offline more about that because maybe that is helpful. And this is why it's important. I want to go back and say this and I'm gonna wrap it up. But this is why it's so important that boys have <laughs> men that they can talk to because the way that we think is so drastically different than the way that men think. And so if we're raising sons, we need to have some grace for how they process and how they think and how they behave because it's not how we <laughs> we think and we behave. And so I think, you know, that's a good note to to end with for us that are moms raising sons is that they think and process very differently than we do. And so that's why it's also important that we start with the end in mind. So we start when they when they come to us, when they when we give birth that we're already thinking about what kind of man we want them to become and we start early putting those things into place in them. Um You know, those values and those, you know, all the things that we want to see in them as um, grown men. So, again, I want to thank you guys. And so, yeah, we will do this again. Don't know when, but we will do this again. And so, I want to say thank you and you all have a good rest of your day. You too. This is great. Raising boys is an incredible journey, and sometimes we all need a bit of personalized guidance. If you're facing unique challenges or seeking tailored advice for your son's development or behavior, consider scheduling a one-on-one consultation today. Link to the consultation will be in the show notes. Remember, investing in your son's growth is an investment in his future. Let's navigate this adventure together. So this wraps up another episode of the Raising Sons podcast. Be sure to download, share, subscribe, do all the things. Remember, we have to start with the end in mind. Until next time.